Hello, everybody. I am your host today, Sherry Calvert for Modern Animism Radio. I have a wonderful guest, Freeman Presson, who will be talking to us about astrology and how it came into his life. Um, Before we get started with the interview, I'd like to acknowledge and give gratitude to the energy of Earth so that we may plant seeds for our communities and ourselves and root ourselves and ground ourselves. I'd like to give gratitude and acknowledgement to air for filling our lungs with breath and giving us life and intuition. I'd like to give acknowledgement and gratitude to the element of fire that can be transformative, sparking creativity and passion in all of us. I'd like to give acknowledgement and gratitude for the element of water, which can be cleansing and purifying and uh, gives us life and quenches thirst. I'd love to give acknowledgement and gratitude to our ancestors who came before us and paved the way and guide us with knowledge and gentle lessons and sometimes hard if we need it. Um, And I'd also like to acknowledge and give gratitude to you, our listeners. Thank you for joining us and um, sharing your time with us today. Uh, I get questions all the time about how to make contributions. So if you are moved or inspired to give us a monetary donation, you can do a one-time donation at buymeacoffee.com backslash pan society. If it's not within your ability to do that now, um, comments, likes, shares, subscribing, these are all fantastic ways to help us and leaving us reviews in places uh, and sharing the words so that we can reach others. And um, with that, let's go ahead and get started on our interview. Good morning. I would love to welcome our guest, Freeman Presson of Hermetic Healing Works. How are you doing, Freeman? I'm doing great. That's awesome. So I'm so glad you're here because I know we have so much to talk about. Um, But first of all, would you like to introduce yourself to our audience? Uh, Yeah. Uh, My name is Freeman Presson. My... um, I've been a, a student of various esoteric business since, well, since 1999. In about 2009-2010, I decided to finally um, take a deep breath and and actually wade into the Western esoteric tradition, per se. Uh, that was about the same time that I got my first Reiki attunement. Um, so... I immediately figured out that, as Poke Runyon says, astrology is the ground plan of magic. So uh, I focused on studying astrology and astrological magic. Um, and as I went on with that, uh, I got curious about the other applications of astrology and uh, natal analysis and so on. Oh, I love that. So you like mentioned a lot of stuff here <laughs> just in your intro, Reiki, Poke Runyon, um, do you want to break those down and astrology? Do you want to break those down for, um, people that may not know what those are and who Poke Runyon is? Oh, sure. Um, so yeah, Poke Runyon is the founder of the, uh, OTA, Ordo Templi Astartes. Um, it's a, um, it's a lodge magic organization order that has been actually rather cleverly repaganized. Uh, one, one, of the thing, one of the things that was keeping me out of that was, frankly, all the Christian influence was... Uh, you know, it, it, it was triggering my uh, childhood religious trauma. So... Mm, no, I, I hear that a lot, actually. <laughs> yeah. So, Polk had um, developed a system uh, using the old uh, Canaanite gods and goddesses, and uh, if people are familiar with the uh, the seasonal cycle and actually the uh, uh, the very early origins of the legends of the Grail and so on like that, that all ties in. <laughs> so, um, I carried I carried on with that. Um, for a while, um, I took the first, uh, the Pastaforest degree, uh, I think in 2016, 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and uh, he, he has an interesting podcast, The Hermetic Hour. Uh, I was a guest speaker on that one time to talk about a, a book about hermeticism. Um, so what is hermeticism? Hermeticism is a philosophy based on the writings of Hermes Trismegistus, thrice greatest Hermes. It arose in Egypt out of, uh, there's a lot of ancient Egyptian wisdom rolled into it, but it's wearing Greek clothes. Um, and the, the, th- the three branches of the hermetic wisdom are alchemy, astrology, and theurgy, uh, working, working with the divine. Um, the, the writings in the Corpus Hermeticum are interesting, and there is a tie-in uh, of this, this tradition uh, to animism. Uh, in fact, uh, although some people don't emphasize it, properly understood Hermeticism is an animistic tradition in that it teaches that the cosmos is alive, conscious, intelligent, and divine. And this is where we get our divine mind from. Oh, wow. And our, our goal is just to become more aware of that and find our place in that cosmos. Right. Um, and this is what guides you because you do have hermetic healing works. This is your practice here. Yeah. So what happened was I continued on with the, uh, I continued on with my studies at the same time I had a, a strong call toward healing in general. Right. Cause I know you do tons of and, stuff. And so I got the rest of my, um, Reiki attunements. And in about, in about 2015, um, I was, I was, or thought I was, uh, ready to go professional as an astrologer, but I got guidance with a capital G <laughs> that it was actually time to s- start my healing practice. And so, and I can show you in my natal chart why I'm so fond of grandiose, DBA titles for what really amounts to it's a sole proprietorship and there's probably never going to be um, actual employees or anything but I always end up making it sound like it's <laughs> some big elaborate thing so I said well I want to express the way in which I'm drawing in all of my traditions along with the Reiki so Okay, hermetic healing works. I love that. <clears throat> and then, um, also, I had uh, I had already come up I had already come up with another grandiose name for my astrology practice, which I am still retaining. What was it's, that? It's Far Haran Celestial Sciences. Oh my, <laughs> that's a big, big yes. title. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, real quick aside: Haran is a city in what is now. Um, northern Turkey, I believe. It's at the, um, at any rate, it's, 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 near the, it's near the common source of the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. Mm-hmm. And it was, in the, in the ancient days, it was a city, it was a city full of hermetic astrological magicians. The tutelary de- deity of the city was the moon god Sin, um, and I'm a pretty lunar guy too, so that is also attractive. <laughs> um, and it's far Haran because it seemed to me that every time anybody mentioned Haran, it was far Haran, or so I thought. Then it turns out that that's just from one obscure late 19th century poet by an English church poem by an English churchman. Oh wow! But I still like it. <laughs> it is lovely. So. You've brought up astrology as part of your hermetic healing, and um, what is astrology for those that don't know? Astrology is finding one's place in the cosmos by observing the movements of the celestial bodies. Um, you bear the stamp of 
the state of the cosmos at your moment of birth, technically when you take your first breath, um, but nobody records that. They just record when you pop out. Hopefully it's not too different. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so natal astrological analysis goes deeply into what the configurations of planets um, at your birth means for what type of person you are, what kinds of events you can expect in your life, what your um, what your the goals of your soul are. There are things in the chart I can look at and say. Um, this area of your life is what you're truly called to do. This other area represents what's likely to happen to you, you know, whether you're following your goals or not. But over here, you need to pay attention to this. Um, <laughs> so do you believe that there is a, um, and within astrology that there's, a fate or can we change the stars that we're born under or the way I put that is that there are there's fate and there's destiny mm. and I don't make those words into the same thing uh, fate is sort of the framework of generally how your life is going to go and your destiny is something you have to consciously pursue if you do a good job of consciously pursuing your calling in life and living your living your own legend, then you will, to one extent or another, achieve your proper destiny, despite your fate. Um, I certainly believe in free will. I don't really have any choice in the matter. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, with that being said, like, so I'm. There's a lot of things that are running through my mind, like. Is there a real thing of actually being born under the wrong stars or the wrong planetary alignment and just being, that's the reason you, you know, either your life is so bad or maybe you turn out and I say quote unquote, like a bad person. I, I don't know what makes a bad person, but. Well, I'm going to start with the metaphysical answer to that, which is uh, you are born under a configuration of the heavens that is appropriate to your sole purpose in this life. Um, now one can one can thoroughly pervert one's sole purpose mm. and okay what I, what I know from experience in, in studying charts and analyzing how <clears throat> and how people's natal horoscopes play out in their lives is that nobody has a truly horrible, bad, awful, unavoidably unavoidable nemesis of a birth chart and also nobody has one that's like oh this is so perfect this makes everything easy because not only is it pretty much impossible to have only good placements or only bad placements you always have a mix you know like among the traditional planets you know Saturn is the Saturn and Mars are the the, the bad guys who are um, thought to be in charge of a lot of the negative things that happen in your life. But Saturn and Mars can also be extremely helpful at the right time. <laughs> um, and you can, have, you can have birth placements and you can have current tra transits that um, whatever, it is, whatever it is that they indicate, there's a couple of things going on. Every placement and every transit has, it has a meaning, yes, 
but it also has a, depending on how you deal with it, this can be very good for this reason. This can also be overdone or, on the other hand, poorly realized so that it ends up having what you think of as negative effects. <laughs> and that, of course, is another important point. The, uh, the, the cosmos is objective, if anything is. And our ideas of good and bad are clearly subjective. Right. Um, and you can, have, you can have very negative experiences at one point in your life that end up being transmuted into opportunities. Uh, it happens all the time. So when we're talking about our natal charts, um, I notice like when someone's doing them, you have to list where you're born. So is it that different if you're born, I mean, even at the same time on a different part of the world, does it change? Yes. Um, where, where you're born determines, um, well, how far north and south you're born determines the rising and setting of all of the planets. Um, and where you're born in longitude depend, uh, determines where your ascendant is going to be. That's, that's the point. Um, that's, that's the point where the sun comes up on the day you were born, basically, uh, which is of course where every, where everything rises <laughs> and it's your, it's your exact, um, ascendant degree that distinguishes your horoscope from that of um, other people born near the same time. Okay, so that means like people that are technically born on the same day in different parts of the world will have the same rising, but not generally. No, they'll have the same everything else, but a different rising, a oh, different wow. rising degree. So it can actually... So even though they're born on the same day, that, that different rising does change yes. their... Um, yes, your, um, your rising sign and the sign ruler and the degree of your ascendant are very important in um, understanding your chart in general. And in particular... Um, if you've heard of houses in astrology, um, that's where we determine what topics in your life are affected by each placement. Um, those are all based on, on your ascendant. Um, either a combination of your ascendant and your uh, midheaven, which is where the, uh, which where, the sun, the, where the sun is at its highest point for the day. Um, or just the ascendant in the case of... Uh, what are called whole sign houses, which is mostly what I use. Okay. Um, along with that, like, and I know everybody's pretty um, aware of the song, Dawning of the Age of Aquarius. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, can you give us the reasoning, like, why that song came out when it did and what they were talking about? Like, what the, the general... I mean, I know it, it's not as technical because they didn't have as many instruments Right, then. yeah. Uh, I lived through that era. <laughs> uh, so yeah, everybody was getting into everything at that point. You know, that's when there were a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of, uh, as the song says, mystic crystal revelations and, uh, uh, mystic molecule revelations. Um, let's just say I graduated from high school in 1968. So right into the fat middle of all that. And uh, without getting into details, I didn't miss out. <laughs> <laughs> now the song, uh, first off, the astrology in the song is terrible. Oh. But, and, and that reflects the fact that people by and large didn't know that much about astrology. Right. There were, um, you know, there were horoscope columns in the newspaper. There were... Uh, uh, was actually I used to listen to the Cosmic Muffin on WBCN in Boston, <laughs> and he was actually I didn't fully appreciate him at the time, but he was actually quite a good astrologer, <laughs> and he was actually the the first one that 
clued me in that there was more to it than what was in the horoscope columns in the paper. And he also gave me one of my favorite quotes. He would always close his little segment of the big mattress show in the morning with, remember, the wise man rules the stars. The fool is ruled by them. Oh. I believe Ptolemy is supposed to have said that. Uh, and it is, uh, it is so true. And the way you learn to, the way you learn to be the sage and rule the stars is um, to study astrology in general and your astrology in particular um, and understand what your place is in the cosmos. And after a while of seeing, wow, these things really do work out something like what the, something like what the tradition says, you know? I really was, um, I really was too quick to say angry things that popped into my head when, um, when uh, Mercury was interacting with Mars, for example. Um, that, was, that was a recent transit. Uh, that was really true. I was biting my tongue that whole couple of days while that was going on. Mostly successfully, thank goodness. <laughs> so with that then, like I like how you point that out. So if you know what the, the planetary alignment is for that day, you know that you're going to struggle maybe with something? You, yeah, you, well, yeah, you know what areas, very importantly, you know what areas are going to be uh, challenges and um, also what to expect on the bright side. Um, I recently had a... Uh, I recently had a client tell me about uh, an absolutely jaw-dropping mystical experience he had. Um, it's actually a major dream, but something in the in the dream ha- happened that <coughs> woke him up. Um, it's not my story to tell, so we'll just leave that part at that. Um, I'll just say that uh, I looked at his transits for the day and went, oh, there's this, 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 and this. Yeah, I'd be surprised if you didn't have something like that. <laughs> oh, wow. So when we think about, the, so the planetary alignments could affect you know, each of us differently, like personally, depending on where our birth chart is, our natal chart. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the big things that you hear constantly, um, every, and I think this is probably the one that a lot of people even knew, people do astrology or people that aren't into astrology, the retrogrades, like Mercury retrograde in specific. I love your face. I wish everybody could see the look on your face right now. <laughs> so yeah. would you mind explaining retrograde first? Oh, and sure. Then... Okay. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, uh, yeah, then, then we'll explain my facial expression. <laughs> All right. So one of the mysteries of cosmology for the ancients was that the motions of the planets were very regular and very predictable, uh, but all of the planets, except for the sun and moon, occasionally seem to stop in their tracks as they, as, as they move through the zodiac and make a loop, go back the other way for a while, and then come back and go direct, and then carry on about their business as if nothing happened. Um, this was mysterious, and this... Gave rise to a lot of fairly bad astronomical theory, the the famous epicycles. Um, at any rate, now we know that it's uh, the planets orbiting the sun, um, and sometimes Earth passes them in their in their orbit, and sometimes they pass Earth, and when. Um, when that happens, they appear to start moving the other way, like uh, trains in a station. Mm-hmm. Um, now, astrologically, there is some significance to retrogrades, but it is not traditionally anything like the big deal that people make out of, in particular, Mercury retrograde. I'm sorry. Oh, don't tell me Mercury that. Mercury retrograde <laughs> did not, you probably did not break your computer. Um, 
when, when, a, when a planet is retrograde, that is considered a very minor affliction. Mm-hmm. And that's actually based on the fact that uh, planets have stronger effects when they're moving fast and weaker, um, weaker effects when they're, when they're moving slowly. And of course, to go retrograde, the planet has to slow down, actually stop briefly, and then continue the other way. And right around that inflection point, the motion is quite slow. So uh, the planet's effect is degraded by that. Not so much by the fact that it's moving backwards, moving forwards. Um, I like I like to put it that um, retrograde planets in your in your natal chart or by transit um, often represent energies that are turned inwards. And in terms of events, they can refer to things that are uh, delayed or things you have to retry and so on. Mm-hmm. So while I, I, while I won't say that there's zero effect of, for example, a Mercury retrograde, it's just not the big horrible thing that people make out out there. Ah, you're killing me because that's like <laughs> one of the things that I like. I, I always check to see if there's Mercury retrograde happening because, you know, for me, that's like communication. So you think it's all our communication's gone bad or deals gone bad or whatever you're so it's all psychological or maybe not as important or the impact. That it's I, it's simply, on yeah. It. I don't <laughs> want to get off on that digression. Yeah. But I. I, w- I wouldn't say that I wouldn't say that anything is just psychological, except in the sense that everything is. Um, <laughs> All right. <clears throat> well, because I bring it up because, like, right now this month, um, and you know, and I don't know um, how much stock I'm putting into it, but there are six planets in retrograde, and technically a, an asteroid. So it's Pluto, Saturn, Jupiter, Neptune, Uranus, Mercury, and then Chiron is the asteroid. Does this affect us? Or am I... Well, first, first off, um, Chiron spends half its life retrograde. Oh. And it does, the mo- it does the most dramatic retrogrades of anything. It will retrograde through half of the freaking Zodiac because of its extremely eccentric orbit. Oh. So I really don't pay too much attention to which way Chiron is and going. Where is that? Yeah. In fact, um, I'm basically a fairly traditional astrologer. Uh, so I don't deal with asteroids much. Chiron is the only one I'm actually following. Oh. And I am finding some, some use and some validity to it. The, um, and I, and I, do, I do look at the uh, invisible planets for natal analysis where, you know, a, a truly, truly hardcore traditional astrologer wouldn't even look at Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. Those are uh, invisible? Okay, because you have to back up. Invisible planets? Well, yeah, the ones you can't see with the naked eye. Okay, so because not- traditionally, traditionally astrology was all about the lights in the sky, uh-huh. and those telescopic planets are not technically lights in the sky because we don't see them. So the idea is, if we don't see them, we didn't grow up with them, so to speak. Right. So uh, the way the way I reconcile that is, um, I mean, I have seen that they do have important effects. They just are, in general, they're less personal. Mm. Um, they're they're very useful to look at in terms of uh, cycles of uh, worldly events. Right. Um, there's a wonderful book about that, Cosmos and Psyche, by Richard Tarnas. Okay. Uh, where he basically broke down. Um, he broke down a lot of cycles of world events, and largely in terms of um, the the cycles and aspects of the outer planets. Mm-hmm. And it is quite convincing, actually. Uh, if you're not convinced by that amount of data, then I think you won't be convinced by anything. Oh wow! Well, so. Um you mentioned houses earlier, and um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot to astrology, right? Like, if you, yes, it's, it's very it daunting if you first crack open an astrology book, mm-hmm. or if you, just looking at a chart, like uh, for your first time, and you have no idea what you're looking at. Like, how, where would you tell someone to start on how to decipher this whole other language? To me, is what it looks right. like. Right. 
actually, I think that's important. I think that's so important. I actually wrote a little booklet about it. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, you can get. I, I suppose we'll we'll share my contact information. Absolutely, in the you. info box, I will put the, all the yeah, information right. on how to reach you. Um, yeah, anyone who uh, I I would be very happy to receive any uh, questions and email and. If you just uh, if you just want to ask me for a copy of my booklet about deciphering the horoscope, um, I can send you the PDF of that. Um, I did a presentation. I did a presentation on it for uh, Magic City Pagans, mm-hmm. and uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, even with all the technical difficulties, and no, Mercury was not retrograde. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there were some other there were some other transits that were suspicious for that, but. Um, so astrology as we have it today is a product of the, uh, the late, well, I guess it's, it's, I guess it's considered late antiquity, starting with the first century BCE, uh, going on to the present, um, astrology was systematized into a language with four or five major components. So we have the signs that everybody's familiar with. The signs are 12 uh, equal divisions of the circle of the sky. Um, the planets, of course. The planet. The planets are the actors. <clears throat> And then we have the houses. The houses are the the topics. Um, yeah, if we're talking about a play, the uh, the, uh, the 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 sign would be the the signs would be some combination of the scenery and let's say we're talking about a, a really old play where the actors wore masks. That's, that's kind of like how the signs work. The signs modify how the planets express their meanings. The houses, um, the houses are a projection of this is not exactly right, but it's close. Uh, they're a projection of the uh, 12-fold division of the zodiac onto the earth. And so um, they talk about various uh, topics in your life okay aspects of course aspect theory is super important (coughs) sorry Um, and that is of course the relationships between the positions of the planets and actually you can learn a lot from that Uh, you can learn a lot from that uh, completely ignoring the rest of it Suns, houses, and we mustn't forget the fixed stars. Actually, the stars were the stars were super important in ancient astrology, and um, then they were kind of ignored for a long time. Uh, now they're being brought back, and I'm I'm a big uh, fixed star enthusiast. I I, I love looking at uh, fixed star why transits did, to the angles and, uh, and why were they losing favor? The what? Why were they losing favor? And then why are they making a comeback? Um. It's actually hard to say why people started, by and large, ignoring them. Um, I know that astrologers in the 17th century still made at least occasional references to the fixed stars. And then during the... Uh, astrology went dark after the, for a while after the Enlightenment mm. and started coming back during the occult revival in the late 19th century. Um, but it came back as uh, it came back as rather a different animal. It came back as basically uh, psychological astrology, and um, people thought that prediction was a bad thing, and too much emphasis on fate was a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I, I, I think the fixed stars may have been seen as uh, as part of that. Um, 
Well, and then they they uh, they came back they came back pretty strongly with the revival of astrological magic because a lot of the astrological magic has to do with the stars, um, and then um, certain astrologers like uh, Bernadette Brady and uh, a few others uh, got really deeply into the study of the stars and wrote a number of really good books that enable um, current astrologers to jump right in and understand what's going on with the stars. Well, knowing that there's astrology of antiquity, as you put it, um, or anti- uh, and knowing back then that they did not have the technical instruments we have now, the mathematics that we have now, like how close were they to correct alignment and how you know how similar are they today like astrology today from yesterday oh you know we have to give our forebears a great deal of credit mm-hmm. um the ancient greeks figured out um they figured out that the earth was a sphere and one of them even came up with a scheme for measuring it and they came up with a they came up with an estimate of the size of the earth that was within a few percent mm-hmm. of what we now know it is. Wow. Um, they did completely blow it on the distance to the sun, though. <laughs> well, we can't, yeah, get right. <laughs> yeah, can't get everything right. Yeah, can't get everything right. Um, it's still impressive, though, like mightily impressive. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. You do notice that, okay. Nothing in the, maybe I don't want to say nothing, very little in the astrological tradition depends on measurements any closer than a few minutes of arc. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you've got a, 300, a 360 degree apparent circle is the, is the whole yearly path of the sun and the, you know, the, measure, the measure of the, the overall sphere. Um, degrees are divided into 60 minutes each and minutes are divided into 60 seconds. And when you're talking about seconds of arc, you're really getting into teeny tiny picky things. <laughs> and the funny arithmetic, by the way, we can thank our uh, Babylonian precursors for. They did everything in 60s. Wow. That's, I, I'm, it still boggles my mind. Like, um, how impressive that is, right? People tracking stars and planets and movements, even back then without the, the amazing telescopes that we have now, these, you know, right. And it's, uh, I, I, I have to say that's, I don't know. It's almost like seeing that, you know, animus connection, like maybe we were always supposed to, like we always knew and always had that feeling of being connected to the cosmos and how important it was to us. Yeah. Um, the feeling of awe when you um, look up at the night sky in mm. particular is a universal experience. And then when you watch it over time and you see that, well, some of the stars don't seem to move in relation to each other, but then there are these others that do, the wanderers. Mm-hmm. Planetes in Greek, that's where we get the name planets. Um, and then figure out, oh, I can use that too. I can use it for timekeeping. I can use it for finding out where I am. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you think it was a different, um, and I'm so I have an experience where I know if you grow up in one place, you only know that sky, right? Like you, you generally know what it looks like. Yeah. Um, so I never really put thought into it until I actually, uh, back when, you know, a million years ago when we were allowed to travel and stuff, mm-hmm. um, I just have, I was in Peru for, um, a trip and we mm-hmm. looked at the sky and it was completely different. Like yes. the, the constellations were different and everything. And, and then it just like really got into my brain, like, oh man, like I, you know, you're looking at it from a different point of view. Right. Absolutely. And, and it's bananas that. Yeah. And it wasn't really, it wasn't really until the, uh, until the age of long distance navigation that, that our uh, forebears began to understand that. And now they got 
off into unfamiliar oceans under strange skies, and that mm. must have been a really bizarre feeling. I, I honestly I like, can imagine. What do you mean I can't see the Big Dipper anymore? <laughs> <laughs> and that's that was my experience, right? Yeah. I'm looking at the sky, and I'm like, where's the Dipper? And they're like, what? No, we have the, and I can't remember what they were saying, but then they're, you know, and my husband used the to be Southern in the Navy. The Southern Cross and all that's that. That's what it was, yeah. yeah, the Southern Cross. And I, you know, I've heard about it, I've read about it, but then actually, mm-hmm. like, experiencing it, I'm like, oh, like, I, what do you do? Like, and so now I, I realize, like, when you have to chart everything and, and then how it changes, like, if they were navigating, for sure, like, depending on what time of year they were navigating. So it, right. it, it changed then, too. So I... I give them mad kudos back in the day when they, they had to do it by sextant and like actually carry different charts on their boats and stuff. So right, yeah. it's, it's impressive. So um, one of the things I really think about, and this is, I have very minimal experience in astrology because it's still such a daunting thing to me, mm-hmm. but I do take to heart. And then I, I kind of want to hear your feeling on it. Um, when I ask people about their natal charts, like where's your Chiron, where's your Venus? And um, I really take to heart those answers because it's like it, where their Chiron is, is how the like the language to me on how to help them when they're sad or when they're sick or not feeling well, like a, a way of healing. And then same thing with Venus. Like I know how to love you and, you know, just platonic relationships. But like I know that that's how you receive love. If Is that true or am I? Yes. Oh, yeah. That part okay. you're uh, I, I, I can make up for your disappointment about Yay. the retrogrades. You've, okay. got that, you've got that very right. Uh yeah, Chiron is uh, okay. Chiron has mainly been interpreted as, uh, based on the mythology, as the wounded healer is the shortcut we mm-hmm. um, short name we use, and it is also um, it also seems to be working out to. It also seems to strongly relate to a special conscious focus in your life, completely aside from. Uh, well, you can't be completely aside from your healing journey, obviously, mm-hmm. but um, it is your your Chiron placement is is some kind of a very special focus in your life. Um, it's sort of like a um, I didn't define this, but it it's it it it's sort of it's sort of in the same league as the lot of spirit. It's it's some it's something it's an area of life you should pl- pay. Uh, particular attention to I like that um so my uh and I know you always look at the big picture I know how um how much all the information is if you were to meet someone for the first time um what would be what would be like the three most important um planets you would be worried about in someone's or three to five like (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) I don't want to pigeonhole you into a a small answer (laughs) Well, you can learn an awful lot about a person from uh, their rising sign, their sun sign, and their moon sign. And oh, oh yeah, by the way, um, if they know whether they were born during the day or at night, big things. That, that tells me that tells me whether their sun or their moon is more important. So, okay, can you elaborate on that? Yeah, um, the doctrine of sect is another another thing from ancient astrology that's uh, it's actually built into the system. Um, and the system of ancient astrology is absolutely beautiful. Um, if you get, um, just, just take down the words Thema Mundi, T-H-E-M-A-M-A-M-U-N-D-I, uh, and Google that later. Uh, you'll, 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 you'll see the beauty and the symmetry of the, uh, the ancient system of astrology. Um, so my thoughts, my thoughts would go to, okay, there, um, the certain rising sun, um, sun is here, moon is there. And then I would, then I would want to know where the, uh, ruler of their ascendant sign was. If I, if I only had time for a few questions and I really wanted to get a good overview, that's what I would look at. Okay. I love that. So is there anything else that maybe I didn't ask that you want to mention or bring up? Yeah, let me just elaborate a little more on the uh, on the idea of developing cosmic confidence. 
Mm. So knowing where you fit in, um, knowing which influences are basically unavoidable. So just learn to deal with them. Um, and which things are opportunities by uh, having your natal chart analyzed and your transits followed. Um, if, as Sherry said, it's, it's completely dawning to you, I completely understand that. <laughs> uh, I remember when I, when I started studying astrology in 2009, <clears throat> I, uh, I, started, I started looking into it. I just grabbed a couple of books. I didn't know what I was doing. I grabbed a couple of books and started looking into it, and, and I very quickly realized, oh, there's not one astrology. There are hundreds of astrologies. <laughs> I have to pick one. Oh, man. <clears throat> and fortunately, since I, was, since I was aiming at astrological magic, uh, I needed to pick one of the very traditional systems. Uh, anything before about 1700 would do. <laughs> um, Otherwise, I could have been oh, completely lost at sea for the longest time. So bear in mind, if you do undertake the, uh, the study of astrology, um, that is a trap you can fall into. I do recommend starting with traditional astrology, and there are a couple of books I could recommend that are very useful for that. Um, because then you have, then you have a solid foundation. If you find yourself drawn to something more modern, like evolutionary astrology, that's fine. Those are, um, essentially all of the schools of astrology have certain kinds of wisdom that are, um, that are valid within that system and that are very useful. Um, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and tell a little story about the, uh, you know, I, I, I referred to getting guidance about starting the healing works and, uh, and then getting some other guidance that, okay, it's, it's, it's time to bring the astrology back to the fore. So, so I was already well started in that process. Um, I started getting really serious about uh, about getting the professional astrological practice going in uh, I think this past May, and then uh, in early June we had a solar eclipse on the tenth, and this eclipse wasn't visible from my location, and I had not paid well, you know I had paid attention to it in the sense that yeah I look at all the transits on a regular basis. Um, so that morning, uh, about half an hour before sunrise, I was startled awake. Now it's not unusual. Uh, it's, it's not unusual for me to wake up a little early or whatever, but to have my eyes snap open and... And, and have a, a strong sense of, okay, who's there or what's there? Something's going on. Um, I felt this powerful flux of, well, energy for want of a better word, but it was like, okay, there's this flow of information I don't really understand what it's about yet. So... I looked at the time, and by then I was awake enough to go, oh, we are right about at the peak of the eclipse, which is just below the horizon where I am, and the, this, this flow of information, inspiration, divine talk kept getting stronger. Until I, I, I went, okay, I need to get up and go outside. So I jumped out of bed, threw on some pants, 
I went out in my front yard and I turned, it, it was like, as soon as I got outside, it's like, the sun's not up yet, but the world is luminous. Mm. It is luminous with this, the divine mind. The divine mind is flowing through me. I, I'm quite unusually aware of it. So I turned to face where I knew the sun and moon were. And uh, then I was absolutely flooded with impressions and it, it began to be it began to be intelligible at that point and I was actually told in no uncertain terms well first I was showed my personal vision of how I fit into the cosmos and how I'm connected to all of the planets and all of the stars through in, incomparable webs of, of sympathetic vibrations and once I had that vision clearly in mind I was literally told you're doing the right thing follow the astrology so all right I guess at this point I don't have a choice do I? <laughs> oh man so you have really I learned a lot today. Thank you so much for joining me today. And, You're welcome. This you know, was fun. Thank you for sharing with our listeners. And I would love to have you on again in the future if you're up for it. <laughs> uh, yeah, we could definitely do that. There are, uh, as you said, there's so much we could talk about. You know, we could get into... Uh, for sure. We could get more into hermeticism. We could get more into the, 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 the healing business and the, how the healing journey and the... The mythical journey <laughs> work out in people's lives, and yeah, it's just there's just topics on top of topics. For sure. So there you go, guys. Yeah. He's listed off things we're definitely going to talk about. So if you have questions, send them to us because then we can definitely throw them in there. Um, on that note, thank you, listeners, for checking in every day or every week with us, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>